0: Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org.
1: We want to reach out and we want to reach more people. And in order to do that, we have to make something that's true, good, and beautiful. All three, honest, but also one that communicates some of the goodness in life.
2: How can we reach more people? Is there a way for us to change the culture for better? That's just one of the questions we're tackling today as we continue sharing questions and answers from students at Church Every Day in Northridge, California. And answering those questions is RZIM speakers Alicia Wood and Cameron McAllister. Let's join them now.
3: Uh, my question is, uh, it's about mainstream society. And as leaders uh, who, has, who have the uh, right purposes, is there any possible way to change the culture?
1: So as, as leaders in our various fields, is there a way for us to change the culture for the better? It's a really good question. So I think there is, but I think we need to have some, some needed perspective here as well. The culture itself, there's a, the Bible continually makes a distinction between the world and the kingdom of God. And, we, and the world is passing away. The world is temporal. And all that we know of culture here is passing away as well. And we are part of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is the place where what God wants done gets done. That said, I think when we go into our various fields, whether we are philosophers, academics, or artists, especially if we're in in spheres where there's a lot of influence that's wielded, say the arts or entertainment, I think we have a very powerful opportunity to make a difference and to reach people in a very holistic and tangible way. The danger, and what we have to be so careful about, is we have to be honest with the fact that the culture is an incredibly seductive arena and that none of us are above influence. If we think we are above influence, we truly are kidding ourselves on but I think we also need to recognize that scripture, the Christian worldview, tells us the way things really are. And this gives us an insight into the human heart that others really don't have. And we can use that to our advantage. And I think there are many great Christian thinkers and writers who have done this very effectively. I think of Flannery O'Connor. I think of a filmmaker out there right now, Terrence Malick, who's made films like The Tree of Life, and the thin red line, phenomenal works of art, challenging works of art. You see, the real temptation when Christians go into these kind of influential arenas is we want to get, we want to get the message of redemption across really quickly. But if we're, if we're creating art, say, if you just craft something that's nothing more than a message, it turns into propaganda, and you don't want to do that. Christians often want, we want to convey an image of the true, the good, and the beautiful. But oftentimes, Christians, very well-intentioned, I've done this myself, want to give a vision just of the good and the beautiful and exclude reality. And the reality is, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where people are ill. We live in a world of cancer clinics. We all sorts of crises are taking place right now in the news as we speak. And if we try to craft something, say a book, a movie, a television show that avoids these issues... It will communicate only with other Christians, and it will be an echo chamber, and there won't really be a connection with the world at large, and that so often is the problem. We want to reach out, and we want to reach more people, and in order to do that, we have to make something that's true, good, and beautiful, all three, honest, but also one that communicates some of the goodness in life. You know what's interesting? I talked the other day when I was speaking about media and the gospel. I mentioned a lot of television shows. And I've noticed that these shows, whether we're talking about Mad Men, True Detective, Breaking Bad, etc., etc., House of Cards, they're very, very good at showing us depravity, aren't they? They're really good at showing us how fallen we are. They're very jaded. They're very cynical. And And we tend to see this and think, well, that's realistic. That's how it actually is. Just calling it as it is. But that's not the whole truth. You and I know good people as well. And I think one of the characters conspicuously missing from so much of this popular entertainment, incisive and deep as it is, is a genuinely good character. Just one. Not a character without his or her struggles, but one who strives to be virtuous and to do the right thing. Because you know what? It's a lot more challenging to create that kind of a character. We need people to do that. And that will have a huge impact and a huge influence. Pascal says one of the ways to really make Christianity tangible is to make it look good, to make it look appealing, to draw people in through our behavior, our words, and actions. We can do that in the cultural arena as well. It's missing. We need to do it, and we need to do it better. Okay, um, my name's Joshua. Um... How should we as Christians respond when we're told that humans are nothing more than very intelligent animals?
0: <laughs> I think it's very easy to argue for certain things. I think it's it's a very different thing to live out certain things. Um, we really people have used this kind of argumentation in a variety of ways, saying that really because we are. Um, Really, humans, just like you said, are just nothing more than animals with a little bit more intellect. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody the other day just about this very thing. Um, but in reality, um, are we as angered when we see you know, an animal eat another animal versus when we hear of a person killing a child? In reality, if, if we are just, just slightly better than them, why are we so irate? when humans behave in the same way an animal animal does and we don't even consider what they do to be significant or maybe we just turn an eye to it. I don't think any of us felt guilty for stepping on an ant this morning. I hope you didn't at least. But if you did, know that there is a, a, a vast difference between humans and animals, and this is, and, and the reason why, and I understand when people say that, because if you're going to be consistent in your naturalistic, um, atheistic viewpoint, then that is just being consistent, and that's you are just following your logic to its end. The reality is, is that us as, as as humans do not believe that, because we do believe that there is a value that is given to people that is not given to animals. We don't like, or we don't lock a dog up for eating a squirrel. But we would lock a person up if they were to do the same thing, okay? Because we, we recognize that there is a value to a human that is not there in animals. So when we when so when people argue for this, I think this is something that they um can, can, are just being consistent with, and they can make an argument for. But really, if they had to choose between you know their life being threatened or their dogs' life being threatened, they're going to choose theirs because they see themselves more valuable as something else. It's it's not a livable. Um, argument that we actually carry out from day to day.
1: But, and I think it also is instructive to take a look at it, though, as, as Alicia pointed out, as a consequence, if you are firmly committed to a naturalist stance, it's extraordinarily difficult to establish human dignity and human worth on a materialist scale. Because if all of us are the product of random, unguided forces it would seem that we're just a product of basically chaotic convulsions of molecules and matter in action which breathe the universe into being. And so in a sense, human beings are a cosmic accident. It's very, very difficult to establish the worth of a cosmic accident. And so oftentimes, our motivations for leading a good life, for helping others, really lose a lot of their hold when you take away the idea that human beings are created or trace their lineage to some kind of a higher power. Because as Christians, we would say, as I I was was saying this evening, Christ died on a cross for every human being. But not, not only that, human beings are made in the image of God. But if everybody is a child of God, fundamentally then that really drastically alters the way we assess a human being. That way, if you have two people in a boat, and one of them happens to be Albert Einstein or William Shakespeare, and another happens to be a disabled individual, you wouldn't automatically throw the disabled person out and save Shakespeare for the benefit of the human race. You would recognize that both men are of equal value regardless of their talents regardless of their backgrounds this is one of the unique features that we that we as christians can take hold of and it's interesting when you compare and contrast the world views and you look at some of the consequences that flow from this and it's if you look in popular culture this theme is being taken up and actually looked at more seriously. A lot of our television shows, I think of an example like True Detective, are examining what it means to be a good person if there isn't a God. And I think that's probably one of the more incisive and interesting questions an, a, an, a non-believer, an agnostic, or an atheist can ask him or herself. If there is no God, if there's no higher power, if we are all the result of random unguided forces, then what does it mean to be a good person? What is the good life and why should we do it? It's a very good question.
2: You've been listening to Q&A from the Answering Doubts Conference. And if you'd like to order the entire Q&A series, be sure to call us at 1-800-448-6766 or order online at rzim.org or rzim.ca for those listening in Canada. And you can find more content from Alicia and Cameron on our website as well.
3: Hello, everyone. It's Abdu Murray with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. As we travel all over the world, I'm struck by the commonalities and the differences in the way people are asking their questions. There's differences based on cultures. So Asians might ask a question a certain way based on Asian sensibilities, which is glorious because it shows the wonderful diversity that God has put into this world. And it's different than the way perhaps Americans, whether they're Caucasian or African-American or whatever it might be, the way they ask questions and some of the issues that they speak to as well. But I see these commonalities all the time where people are asking questions on the human condition. Like, why are people the way they are? Uh, Questions about human equality, questions about sexuality pervade no matter what country of the world we find ourselves in. Questions on meaning, questions on science and faith. Does science sort of rule out any room for faith in our lives? These are the deep questions we're getting. Is there hostility sometimes? Yeah, absolutely there is. We have seen people who come with sort of a, a bone to pick or a point to prove But more often than not, we're seeing people who are honest skeptics, who have real questions and concerns, asking questions not to try to trap us, but to try to get an actual answer for their consideration. And if the conversations we have after the events, where we're standing at the end of the dais, talking to someone about a deeply personal issue or something that's really resonated with them, if that's any indication, then the answers are actually sinking in. So yes, there's a hostility. Yes, there's a resistance. But there's also glimmer, sort of a ray of openness that's coming out. And as we begin to see those points of light, I think we can actually reach out to them. So as we do more and more events, my optimism for the future grows because people are hungry for answers and they're coming looking for those answers.
2: Just Thinking is a listener-supported radio ministry furnished by RZIM in Atlanta, Georgia.